Welcome back to the Inner Calling Podcast, everyone. This is your host, Amanda Nafash, and today we are joined by Ariana Reschione, founder of Never Not Retro, world traveler, mom, fashionista, and much, much more. Welcome, Ariana. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. Um, So for those of you who don't know us personally, I have the pleasure of having Ariana in my family for the past 12-ish years. Is that correct? Oh, gosh. It's definitely been... I think it's been like nine... Yeah. We've, we've, I've known you since you were like a kiddo. Yeah. Okay. So I, I overjudged it. I was like 12 feels like a really long time for some reason. (laughs) I mean that in the best way possible. Exactly. Um, so here at the inner calling podcast, we talk about what you do for a living that makes you come alive. So for the listeners, tell us about what you've created for yourself with your business. Sure. No problem. So never not retro is my Etsy shop. I run everything from the logistics, the design, the content creation, the website design, the supply, um, new product development. I mean, I am like an all-in-one package. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually started Never Not Retro when Mark and I, so Mark is my husband, Mark is your cousin, Mm -hmm. um, when we were living in Singapore. So the reason that I started and NR is because the visa that I was on when I was living internationally did not allow me to work legally there. So it was very hard. I mean, I tried for a good two years to, I was just fresh out of my, um, my master's degree, degree program, which was international fashion marketing. Mm-hmm. And I was like ready to hit the ground running. All I wanted to do was work for like LVMH, Chanel, Burberry, you know, these were all headquartered offices in Singapore. And my naivete as like a 20, however old I was, 27 year old, 26 year old was, uh, you know, we'd moved to Singapore. I would get this really cool job in fashion And unfortunately, that was not what God's plan was for me. So Mm -hmm. what I did is I started NNR as actually a fashion blog initially. Mm -hmm. So I aimed it towards fashion, travel, fashion tips, trend reporting. Um, And I really liked that. It was definitely an opportunity for me to um, utilize my journalism skills and my photo editing and, um, basically just reporting. Here's the problem. Where's the money in that? Unless you're a hot, you know, hot topic, big time blogger, there was no way that I was getting paid for that. I mean, I did some spotlight, um, writing for various publications in Singapore, but it was never anything that was a very consistent income for me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what I did actually, this is a really great story for anyone who starts a business for something that answers a need that they have. Mm -hmm. When I got engaged, I was looking at bridal headpieces. Okay. I don't know if you ever looked at bridal headpieces like the big time designers, but Mm -hmm. these headpieces are like a thousand dollars and up. Oh my gosh. And while they're beautiful and handmade and gorgeous, I looked at these pieces and I said, I think that I might be able to make something like this if I just tried hard enough and 
you know, did little tweaks in, here and there, I think I could make something like this. Mm-hmm. So long story short, that's how Never Not Retro became what it is today. I launched my first collection in, I think it was um, March of 2017. Mm-hmm. And so we just had our fourth birthday. Is that right? Yeah. She just never not retro just had her fourth birthday. Yay. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I know. And now we're at, I mean, four years later, we're at 5,800 sales. So it's definitely been a wild ride. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, for the listeners, I actually, we started having this conversation, Ariana and I, um, uh, like a month and a half ago in person. And I kind of like stopped the conversation because I was like, I want this conversation to be recorded. And I was like, and I want it to be authentic. I want it to be live. I want to be able to get this, these reactions because, um, like everything about starting your own business and, um, leaving the corporate world, which I really want to hear more of your opinion on that, um, leaving the corporate world and then, uh, going out on your own is, is like, it's a risk. Um, I mean, financially, we know it's a risk, like just like when we think logically, but in general, like, I think, um, the way that we are, like our mindset towards money in our world, like to take a risk like that, you have to really have like faith in something. Um, so do you remember a moment in time when you realized that it was worth taking the risk? Absolutely. So to back up a little bit before I started Never Not Retro, I was actually working in an entirely different field. Mm -hmm. I was a surgical sales device um, representative. Yeah, surgical sales device representative for Ethicon, which is actually who Mark works for. That's how he and I met. Mm -hmm. And there came a time where Mark, it was like super early in our relationship. He just, he knew me very well right off the bat. He said, Ari is this something that you really want to be doing for the rest of your life? Do you want to sell surgical devices to various, you know, basically older gentlemen in the surgical field? Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I did that. That was a hard question for me. I had to ask myself that. I think I was 20, maybe I was 25. And I said to myself, look, when I got out of college, I really wanted the job that was like the best paying job you could get. Yeah. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to get that job and I got it. So I think for me, it was like checking the box that I could do this thing if I wanted to. Right. Now that I did it and I did work for the big corporate headquarters and the big corporation and had that experience it was almost like I proved it to myself that I could do it. And now that I did that, why don't I do what I really want to do? Why don't I, if, if not at 25 or 19 or 40 or 50, I mean, it's never too late, but at that point in my life, I had the opportunity to basically leave Ethicon, go back to graduate school for fashion Mm -hmm. Mark was living in Scotland. So I moved, I got into the graduate degree program that I applied for and it was, it was really fate. It was perfect fate. And the way that I've just explained this, it all sounds like rainbows and butterflies, Yeah, but there were absolutely bumps in the road. I mean, 
when you leave a the safety net, whether it's a Forbes, you know, 30 company like J&J or any safe job, whatever you consider your safety zone, your safety mm-hmm. net, it's like jumping out, jumping out of the nest and like hoping that you fly and that you don't hit the ground. It's scary because when you take a chance, not only are you potentially disappointing yourself, mm-hmm but disappointing others around you and having to start from square one, that can be a really scary thing. So back to your question about um, faith and hope, I think the most important thing is that you have faith in yourself, even when it feels scary, even when you feel like you're at the end of your rope and there's nowhere to go, you just have to be creative and have to keep building yourself up and, not allowing the, um, you know, failures, if you want to see them, call them that, not allowing the failures to get you down, but to actually make you stronger and continue to grow your creativity on how you can really build something that makes you happy for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really appreciate that sentiment specifically for myself today. I think I needed to hear that. (laughs) It's definitely like, I think, um, people who, only follow people with small businesses. Um, not to say that it's to their fault, but just it's, you could never really understand truly how much work and like energy and of just like how much of yourself gets put into a business. Um, and like every idea, how, like, you know, you put some type of, you invest some type of yourself in it. Like, okay, if this does well, like then I do well. And if this doesn't do well, then I don't do well. And as much as you try to separate yourself, like there's still that little feeling. Um, and so I think it's really important to remember like what you just said, you know, like that it's, you just have to keep believing in yourself because that's what it is. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the traveling and how that impacted your business. Um, because, I know from your stories that you have been so many, you've lived so many places. And I also know that because of just because of like following your, your blog in the very beginning, like that, um, location like really impacts fashion. So my first question is, um, what's your favorite place you've ever traveled to? Okay. That's very hard. Yeah. Very hard question. Only because (laughs) of, the different cultures and how just it's insane how different like the smallest parts of the world are Mm -hmm. compared to the others. But I always have maintained this answer since visiting this location. Okay. And I visited a lot of places after that too. So it's hands down my favorite place, Tokyo in general. It is just the most stimulating on every front on like the culture, the Japanese culture. It's so Mm -hmm. interesting. It's so different than the other Asian cultures. Uh, The fashion there, the food there, the pride in the pride that the Japanese take in their country and their Mm. people and the experience that you have when you're there, you really feel that pride and Mm -hmm. that sense that they everything is efficient. Everything like works perfectly. And the people seem very happy, very kind. It's just, it's so, it's also so creative and artistic there. And they really appreciate the finer things in life in Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you could get a little teeny tiny piece of sushi and it could be like, you know, $200 or something because (laughs) it's 
best of the best. They just really, they're very prideful in the things that they serve and that they own. And um, it's fabulous. I would recommend to anyone, if you had one place to visit in the world, it would be Japan. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. That's very good to know. Okay. So getting a little more specific now, where is the fashion the best in the world, in your opinion? Oh, goodness. (laughs) That's tough. Well, I got to go with my trusty answer. New York City, baby. I mean, it does not get better. And of course, I'm biased because I'm American. And, (laughs) you know, that, that I would lean towards my fashion is a bit more Americana, New York. Um, but there's something that's so beautifully undone about New York fashion, Mm -hmm. um, kind of similarly to, to French fashion, Parisian fashion is also very undone and effortless and, um, intentional, but New York fashion, there's that effortlessness with like that side of attitude and edge. And I'm not talking just like a leather jacket and combat boots. I mean, like the simplest accessory or the smallest little detail is a very intentional statement in Mm -hmm. in all of fashion. But I would say um, New York just has a lot of personality when it comes Mm -hmm. to fashion and um, like unabashed personality, unapologetic. And There's something really contagious about that. I I just love it. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that answer. (laughs) (laughs) You have that fashion. I think you definitely have that. I try to to be unapologetic. (laughs) Yes. Unapologetic, Amanda. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you've lived, obviously, we've talked about you living um, overseas, but you've also lived a lot of different places in the States. And I was wondering if you incorporate that, like all those places that you've lived into the products that you sell as well. Oh yeah, that's a great question. So I get that question a lot. Basically, you know, what are are my designs? What's the inspiration behind my designs? Mm -hmm. And for the past four years, I will be so honest. And I will say that my inspiration for my designs always comes from a need that I require, like a, a something that I feel like I would want to wear for myself. Okay. And so it starts there. So I'll, I'll design, so I'll see something on like, whether it's in Vogue or Fashion Week or Instagram, you know, influencers and people that I follow that inspire me. Mm-hmm. It starts there and then I'll tweak it a little bit and then I'll tweak it a little bit more and then I'll create a whole collection based on that first initial piece. And then I'll make tweaks based on, um, what I think, okay, maybe I love stacking multiple layered necklaces, mm-hmm. but the other person might, the other consumer customer, potential consumer, or you, you know, for example, might just like very minimalist style, very clean, simple lines, not a lot of bulk, not a lot of excess length, mm-hmm. not a lot of, you know, charms and things. So I try to design things and in with the initial, um, the initial reason to be something that I would wear for myself, but then I expand it so that it applies and is, um, attractive to other people who have different style than me. Mm-hmm. And so that it, it's, you know, multiple 
styles, you know, it's not just one specific style because then you really box yourself in to a niche market, to a niche style. Right. So like the necklaces that I'm wearing now, for example, they're thin, they're delicate. Maybe somebody wants a very chunky, very chunky, like more of a statement necklace. Mm -hmm. So the more um, potential styles you're attracting, the more your business can be successful because you're applying to a larger population. Yeah, totally. So, um, what I really like about, like, when I think of, um, the process, like that process that you just explained to me, um, that incorporates a whole different like area of your brain than like the fashion, uh, and design aspect. So, um, do you think like when you, um, look at, how you run your business. Do you think of it in a like compartmentalized way of like, you know, and and this, like the sale, the old sales part of Ari, like comes through to help with this part. And like the journalism comes through for this part. And like, how do you, how do you put all those things together? Oh my God. You just hit the nail on the head. That's absolutely. Mark and I talk about this all the time. I really don't think I would be, have had such success in my shop had I not had all of these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads me back to like, when you feel this challenge, if you hit a bump in a road, when you're starting your own business or you're trying to do something new, keep going because you never know what you're learning throughout that process. Right. Yeah. You're learning, you know, I used to, I worked in Singapore. I did a, um, a free internship. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I'm like 27 years old. I have a master's degree and yep. I have a free internship, but it was an internship at a worldwide renowned branding agency. Mm -hmm. So I was working in branding and advertising. And I, at the time was, felt very frustrated because I was like, here I am, I'm working for free. I'm getting up every day, working five days a week, Mm -hmm. you know, nine to six, not getting paid, not getting a salary. But what I learned in that realm of time Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, Amanda, I have applied so many of those skills and these are, this is firsthand experience in the industry. This is not things that you learn in your graduate program or in school. This is like hands-on application of those skills. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So to answer your question, I really do feel like those different, I have very compartmentalized knowledge that um, I use every day, whether it's for social media design, uh, new product design, um, expansion, brand expansion, brand identity, Mm -hmm. uh, like the logistics, the supply chain and the logistics. I mean, you really have to, to be able to apply all of those elements daily simultaneously. Um, so I think being um, like a multitasker, you know this from your mm-hmm. business. You, it's just something that you learn if you don't know it before and you're not used to that before. These are things that you can absolutely learn. They're, they're skills that are very learnable mm-hmm. um, and really just come from trial and error. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. Anytime you start something new and you create it yourself, Mm-hmm. you're learning. So it's never, it's never a bad thing if you start something and you fail or it's not working yet because you will throughout that process learn whatever it is, whatever um, 
industry you're in, your learning industry experience through trying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you remember like a hallmark moment where it felt like, okay, like now I feel like that was a, a, a time of success for my business. Like, do you remember like the first one that day? Yes, actually I just missed. Wow. I, I never miss it, but I missed it this year. June 29th, um, let's see, 2018. Mm -hmm. So it really was a full year and some change after I started the Etsy shop. Okay. It was a little slow moving. I kept trying. I kept doing anything I could. I did, um, I did a lot of those sh uh, bridal shows in New Jersey where I would go and I'd set up my, my table and you know, put all of my designs, my head, my bridal head pieces and accessories. And I would just keep going, keep going, keep going. And then finally, don't ask me how, I mean, it was totally random. Um, a very big time influencer. I mean, she has millions of followers. Her name is Margaret, Margaret Zhang. Mm -hmm. I have been following her for years because of a show I used to watch on E in Australia called the fashion bloggers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. She posted a picture of one of my accessories, my pearl hoops, and she tagged me in it. And I had never seen this kind of success on my shop. I had order after order. Like I couldn't even, my phone was blowing up. I couldn't even keep up with it. Oh, I just watching, got the chills. <laughs> yeah, like watching the notifications on my on my iPhone, just like new order, new order, new order. And I had never had that kind of success before. Mm -hmm. And I actually, it actually made me cry because I felt like I had put so much hard work into creating something for myself Yeah, and feeling, you know, going back to leaving Ethicon and taking a risk and going back to school and believing in myself. If I had not continued going, 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 believing in myself, trying something new, you know, who knows? I would probably be working in like a subpar, boring marketing job. And thank God I didn't do that. Yeah. I kept going. And that post, that tag, it only propelled my shop. I mean, I can't even tell you different fashion bloggers started reaching out to me with even a, a greater following. And this was before um, Instagram got a lot more strict about gifted items and mm -hmm. ads. Remember how back then it was not so such a big deal you, that you had to disclose everything that you right. were wearing. Um, so I really hit like a sweet spot on Instagram and that's, mm -hmm. but just ever since then it, it propelled, propelled, propelled. And that one post June 29th, I missed it this year, darn, <laughs> <laughs> but just like a week ago, but that was what really, I mean, I think my sales were something like gosh, maybe only a few hundred, maybe mm -hmm. like 400 at that point. Mm -hmm. And then once she posted that, it was just a whole new world for me. It was like working full time every day, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible though. That's like such a fun story to be able to tell too. Cause, and it's crazy with social media, just how easy it is for something like that to happen. Like for just the right person to post at the right time. And then just like somebody's business blows up. It's really amazing that we have that now, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Um, so 
it would be it would be impossible to talk about you know how how you adjusted to changing your business without talking about you being a mom um so take us through what working as um like working from home with a baby um is like sure yeah definitely so you're absolutely right it has been an adjustment um I think that the desire and the drive is always there for me. So, you know, this is, this is a conversation Mark and I, my husband and I have had multiple times. It's always like, well, you know, once you have a baby, don't you want to just take some time off, focus on being a mom? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, actually, I think this is an even more important time to continue to have my business. Absolutely. Because it is my identity. Yes, of course, being a mom is part of my identity. Mm-hmm. But having my own business and and um, successes, financial, not financial, but, um, well, financial as well, but from a professional standpoint, having right. these successes, that's not something you just want to put on the back burner and forget about. Mm-hmm. So... From the beginning, when I was pregnant, I always knew that I wanted to um, prioritize that and mm-hmm. continue to run my shop. Whatever whatever adjustments I needed to make to do that, I was willing to do that, whether it was extending my processing time or taking little breaks on the shop, which is totally normal and fine. People do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily enough, my daughter, Ava, is very um, chill. She's a super chill baby. I have a little, I'm sitting at our desk right now, and I, I have her little, when I, when mommy goes to work, I work every other day now. So instead mm-hmm. of every day, I work every other day, and I do it at the same time of each of those days. I do it when she wakes up from her morning nap, and I have her little setup next to me at my desk. I put her iPad there. I put her toys there. Mm-hmm. And for those, you know, hours, however long it takes me to work, she is happy there. And she will, I think the fact that um, I tend to be a very structured person that mm-hmm. requires a lot of, um, you know, I look at my schedule on Sunday night and I say, all right, this is what I need to do this week, this day, that day, this day. And I think having that structure and routine and rigidity, some might say, mm-hmm. is helpful actually for a child because she knows what to expect. She mm-hmm. knows that maybe she doesn't know what day of the week it is, but she knows that when she and mommy come downstairs to the office, she has her little playtime. She's happy to play by herself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not always, you know, you have to be flexible as a, new mom, um, whether you're working or not, you just have to be flexible and not very rigid in your expectations because there are times that baby's not having a good day and she needs mommy a little bit more. And you know what, if you have to, um, ask for help or if you have to just do your work when she's sleeping or you just learn to kind of juggle and multitask a little more, Mm -hmm. um, that's very helpful. Also having, Mark help has been massively, massively helpful. Like I will do my work with Ava and then Mark will take my packages, my orders to the post office for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like a family, a full family. (laughs) So that has been helpful. 
Um, but I will definitely maintain that having never not retro postpartum after becoming a mother has actually helped me feel more full and whole. Yeah. Because there's so much that you lose within yourself when you become a mother. And that's not a bad thing. You just, you become a different person. Sure. And having some parts of who you used to be that are healthy, positive things, mm-hmm. they, they actually make you a better, better mother because you're able to still have something of your own. Sure. Um, and have that outlet for creativity or for, you know, if, if you do it for financial freedom or creativity or just as an outlet to get away, it, it's, um, it's always a work in progress, but it's worth it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's, um, it's definitely not that I'm a mom, but I, I know so many moms and I just know like in general women in business, there's a lot of different expectations and standards that we're held to. Um, and I think especially for, for moms who are working, there's, there's extra pressure all the time, um, to be perfect, which no one can be. So you're automatically set up to fail if that's your expectation. So I think it's really important that people have these conversations and they hear, you know, like the reality and like hear an authentic conversation of like, yeah, like some days you're going to, not be able to finish your orders because your baby's crying and like, and like, and that's okay. You know, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing so many of your stories today. Um, I just want one, one more question for you. Is there anything exciting coming up for never not retro that we should be looking out for? Hmm. Well, we are continuing our Cuban link necklace collection. Mm Mm-hmm. But we have just started a new um, kind of tweak to the Cuban Link collection okay. that has different charms. Some are Zodiac charms. Ooh. Some are actually wearing, um, not, this is not the Cuban Link necklace, but this is my evil eye, a part of my evil eye collection. Mm-hmm. Blocking the haters. Yes. <laughs> my favorite. We've talked about my, my love of the evil eye before. <laughs> yes. We need to get you one of these. Yes, for sure. Um, but to, so continuing on a path that has, um, more meaningful designs. So in the past, I've done a lot of, I would say trend-based design, mm-hmm. but I'm now going more towards the path of jewelry that has meaning. So whether it's, uh, the evil eye or your Zodiac sign, mm-hmm. or maybe your initial or something like that, I, I, I actually am as a consumer, not just within my own shop, but as a consumer to the outside world, Mm -hmm. I'm finding that I'm more attracted to these pieces that have meaning to them. And maybe that's a part of being a mom. Like I've I've been looking for a necklace that that you could do like um, CZ encrusted, a CZ encrusted name. Like I want to get a little necklace that says Ava. Oh yeah. CZ is in it. But um yeah. So that's, I'm taking that and I'm implementing it in my designs and I will definitely in the next, I would say next couple of weeks have that collection out. Oh, yay. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to check it out. So tell the listeners where they can find you and Never Not Retro on social media and on Etsy. You can find me at Never Not Retro on Instagram. And my website is etsy.com slash Never Not Retro. And if you don't remember the website, then you can just find it on Instagram. The link is right there. 
<laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ariana. And thank you everyone for listening today. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure.